I always tell people have low expectations on your dog and very high expectations on yourself when it goes with anything with dog training and anything with trying to communicate with your dog because it's on us at the end of the day. some reason i wanted to go hear ye hear ye <laughs> do it do it <laughs> i don't know what it was about last week i was so on it you were you were yeah. on it last week you know why because i've had 10 minutes of sleep yeah that's it arthur's been barking at you all day at my wits end so welcome to with the dog podcast that's all <laughs> i have to say <laughs> We are the podcast for the modern dog parent. Got sleep deprived. Izzy over here. So <laughs> just having a laugh. Yeah. But we're here to tell you all about our fun and fantastic interviews that we have with veterinarians, trainers, and game-changing pet parents. Yes, <laughs> they're really weird too. Game-changing. <laughs> you know what? We, I feel like we stumble over, stumble over the game-changing part every single yeah. time. We interview really cool people and we want you to hear about it because you probably know them. You probably follow them yourself. I love that. That was great. You nailed that. We, we nailed it. We cool people to talk about life with a dog. And we're your hosts. I'm Izzy, <laughs> the crazy one. <laughs> and I'm Carly. Uh, we have a banger of an episode for you today it's all about recall so guys this one this one is real i'm i'm hyped for this can you tell we're both we're both on one today (laughs) um you guys have been asking for this for so long we finally got ourselves sorted we were able to have on erica the trainer behind from desk till dog dog training for those of you who may not be familiar with the term recall, um, it's a fancy way of saying the ability to have your dog come to you when called. Um, we are discussing why recall is important, how to start training for recall, and how to make recall a muscle memory command for your dog so you can use it when you really, really need it. Perfect, Izzy. As usual. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about all of that and more. As many of you know, I am a hound dog mom, and I know many of you are as well. I was I was just in love with this episode. I think Erica broke it down into such nice, achievable steps mm. for the training. Bite I th- size. Yes. Nice little bite size. You can start in your backyard. You can start in your living room and build from there. And so that was so great to hear. And you know what? I really like sh- how she addressed having appropriate expectations of what your dog can do. And that's fine. Basically, you know, like she was like, there is a limit to every dog's personality and what they're going to be able to do. And but she just gave you all of the tools to help achieve the best recall your dog can do. Indeed. I think that was one of the things I liked as well, because it's so easy for people to me, myself included, to be I want perfect all the time. And Mm -hmm. that's just not attainable. So, um, yeah, I'm glad you felt the same way. I really liked, I mean, A, how nice she was because she gave us some stellar compliments that literally nearly made me cry. Yeah, like, those, were like, up. those were off the episode <laughs> and both Izzy and I hung up and we were just like, she was oh. so nice. <laughs> She's so lovely, super honest, extremely relatable and personable. Um, I think you guys are really going to enjoy her. Um, and she just has a good energy. Yes. You know, and I hope that you can feel that through her interview, but just everything yeah. about her. 
and her hair was top notch. She, that yeah, day. she looked great. She looked she fantastic. Came a, she came on looking awesome. Yeah, we were still in our sweats, I think, and yeah. she was she was just everything about her her analogies that she gave. Yeah. Stellar analogies. Great analogies. Yeah, you guys will hear all of them. But a little bit more about Erica and her credentials. She is a certified dog trainer, behavior consultant, mentor, and lifestyle expert with almost a decade of experience. Her mission is centered around coaching humans on how to better understand and communicate with their dogs using positive methods. She provides online content about training, behavior, and dog lifestyle products on her social media channels, and on her own podcast as well. For now, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it, Let's Izzy. do it. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Well, let's jump into this then. Great. And do you want to kick it off, Izzy? Yeah, let's kick it off. Um, so let's start by just introducing yourself and what you do and your dogs. Awesome. So my name is Erica Gonzalez, and I'm a certified dog trainer and behavior consultant. I wear many hats. I'm a podcaster. I'm a dog mom. I'm a stepmom in real life, aside from my business and stuff. So um, I have a lot going on. But basically, I love talking about dogs and giving out dog information, trying to educate pet parents and people who love dogs on how to live a better life with them and how to communicate better with them. So that's my mission. And uh, my two dogs are uh, Jade and Freddie. Jade is a, oh my gosh, an over nine-year-old American Staffordshire Terrier. And Freddie is my little sassy Chihuahua Poodle Pomeranian mix. We did a <laughs> DNA test on him, so now I know all that. And he, we don't know how old he is, but we think he's about maybe like seven by now, as we've had him a couple years. Mm-hmm. But uh, so no idea, but they're both awesome. And they help me out a lot in life, but also with my business. And you'll see them on videos and stuff. And uh, in case you want to see them, my business is called From Dust Till Dog. That's my handle on everything. And their faces are on there a lot. So they share a lot of time with me, thank- thank- thankfully. So I love seeing their faces. But I feel like <laughs> I also see your face everywhere, Erica. I'm like, she's she's on Bark. She's on Pupford. She's on – like, I'm just like <laughs> – like, she – we need her on. Like, I'm like, we yes. need her on the podcast. So we're so happy that you're here with us today. Thank you. And I have to admit, I am so tired of staring at my own face. So <laughs> uh, I'd rather share the dog. So, yeah. <laughs> but thank you so much. And thank you guys for having me on. I'm so excited and so happy for everything you guys are doing with this podcast. And just happy to come on and chat dog stuff. Who doesn't love that? Exactly. Exactly. Our mission, basically why we started the podcast is we love talking about dogs. So we love talking <laughs> yes. about them. We love complaining about dogs. Yeah. We love it all. Yeah. <laughs> so what we really wanted to talk to you about today and get your professional advice on is recall. Because mm. I myself having two hound dogs, you know, a lot of our listeners wanting to go out and about more with their dogs, and they want to do more off leash time. And I feel like it's one of those skills that's very hard to train. It's not something that you just, you know, you teach sit right in your living room and you're you're like, great, yeah, you got it. And then but recall is like a whole nother beast kind of in my mind. So basically, what is recall? And what does it mean? Why is it important? Do you think for your dogs? So I would 100% agree with you. This is not a behavior like sit or lie down or look at me or whatever. And I think it is a different beast. And I'm sure we'll get into (laughs) some of the things about that. But essentially what recall is, recall is just a, a 
professional terminology for saying, hey, I need my dog to come when called. Mm -hmm. So when I need my dog to come over to me, that's what recall pretty much stands for, in my opinion. And yeah, it's it's essentially just being able to get your dog's attention and get them somewhere over near you in case of all sorts of things, you know, safety things, or if it's just because you need them to come over and check something on them and their harness is off or, you know, like something's wrong with it. Like I call my dogs over for a slew of different reasons. Mm -hmm. But the main one I think most pet parents are thinking of is my dog's going to run out like the safety thing. My dog's going to run out in the street and I need to be able to call them back or we're at the park and they go a little too far and I need them them to come back. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a ton of applications for it. So I do want people to know there's so many different ways to utilize it. But obviously, the most important one that rests in most of our minds is the safety, safety concern. Mm-hmm. How do we even start training recall then? Yeah, I had to think about this because I approach it in several different ways. So I'm sure we can talk through each of them a little bit. I'd love to give some gems here on what I think. So my whole my whole thing is I'm I told you guys before we started recording, like I'm basic, you know, I'm into the science. I'm into the you know, all the nerdy stuff that all of us are into in dog training world. But my content and how I want to present things to people is if it's not easy, no one's going to do it. And if it doesn't sound easy, no one's going to practice it. (laughs) So when I'm trying to train other people on this and educate pet parents on it, I really want to keep it to attainable things, things they feel they can immediately start doing and getting going on and seeing some results. So the first way I like one of the first ways rather that I like to to work on this is in a game like setting. So it's fun for the dogs. They think it's a little game and it's fun for the pet parent because it's not like I'm doing official recalls. Like it just <laughs> feels a little bit takes the pressure off of everybody a little bit. Right. Lowers the expectations. I always tell people have low expectations on your dog and very high expectations on yourself when it goes with anything with dog training and anything with trying to communicate with your dog, because it's on us at the end of the day. That is, I just need to stop you. That is like the best (laughs) advice. I feel like it's so flipped. People expect their dogs to be able to do somersaults at command, but then they put in like no effort training. Yeah. Me being one of these people. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. I love that. We all been there. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and you know, when I'm like have low expectations, I mean it in the nicest way. You know, our dogs are smart. Our dogs can figure out a lot. Our dogs can handle it. But I think sometimes we, our expectations and our frustrations really lie in our expectations. And if we don't set them appropriately for where we're at in our journey, we might be a little bit upset. <laughs> so I try to have people go into it thinking like that. Like, this is on me. This is my responsibility. I'm going to work with my dog. I have to show my dog how to do this. Because our dogs don't come pre-programmed like a microwave with a setting that says they're going to know recall, right? Mm-hmm. So we have to work with them, and you know, pretty extensively for for most dogs to get this at the level people want it. So the way I start with it in that game-like setting is I just do a little recall game, and what we'll do is I'll kind of have the pet parent toss a lower value treat, so maybe their piece of their dry food or a little small biscuit. Again, something small. We don't want to throw huge things and overfeed them, but, you know, throw something the dog likes, but it's lower value. And then they'll go to get it. We're only like a couple feet away, maybe in the beginning, maybe a foot away if your dog's having trouble, but you're right there. You toss it just over, over here. Dog goes and gets it. And then usually I'll start just verbally prompting them. So what I mean by verbal prompts is just 
hey, Jade, Freddie, like say their name, yeah. some, something to get their attention, not the recall word, and get them to turn. And when they come back up to us, which is just a foot or two or three or four away, then I pay them a higher value reward for coming to me. Mm. So lower value to get you away from me so I can kind of get you to kind of call you over, but without using the word yet. So what we're doing is lower value, dog goes and gets it, comes back over, higher value for coming to me. Lower value to go get it, higher value to come get me. So I'm paying you a buck or two over here. <laughs> and when you come back over, we got $50 bills for you over here. Okay. So this starts, this helps the pet parent get a little bit of the timing of things, a little bit of the flow without really, with little room for mistake, right? Because we don't want to start saying, I think one of the big things is we don't want to start saying come right there, right away. The dog doesn't know yet. Mm -hmm. So we're just going to do that little recall game. And then as your dog does well with it, you can add some distance. So now I'm like chucking the low value food away and the dog's running over several feet away and they already get the gist. So they're like whipping around right away to look back at me and then they run back over and I pay. So you could do this, you know, five times here and there and then increase criteria. If your dog's doing well, five out of five, just arbitrary number I like to give people. Five out of five. All right, cool. We, we move a little bit further with the criteria, see how the dog does. So that's one game I really love to play because I think it's easy and most dogs are really successful with it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's easy to increase criteria, which is just distance. And lower criteria if your dog's having trouble and get a little closer to them. The whole goal is to set your dog up for success here. We don't want to be like, let's see how far we can go and throw <laughs> it, you know. Again, I think sometimes we're just so excited to get to the end goal. And this is this is like weight loss. We got to grind it out and <laughs> do the things we don't really want to do all the time to get to that lovely place that we're looking for. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's a, a great starting point for some people just to make it easy, make it fun and get that. So what we're doing there is we're capturing it, like we're kind of organically having the dog come over to us, but we're not using the word just yet. And I think once that goes really well over a period of time, we can start adding the word in. So you would toss the lower value when the dog turns, say, okay, Jade, come over mm -hmm. here or whatever word, and then and then you can go from there. Such gems because yeah. I think that's I think it's good for pet parents to just remember that we're trying to associate ourselves with the most fun or the most value. And yes. I think people kind of get lost in that a little bit. They just add that word in and just expect the dog to be like, oh, yeah, you are definitely more exciting than this pile of other dogs that I want to play with right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> The yeah. squirrels, everything. Yeah. So what if you're just not having very much luck? Maybe your dog isn't food motivated and mm -hmm. um, you're struggling to really get their attention. What could be some good tips? Yeah. So I, I think a lot of people do have some dogs that are just, just having a difficult time with even that type of game we just went over. So I, I think another thing that maybe stepping back even further to say, hey, some requirements I have for people before we even do some of these exercises is we need some name recognition. Separate from recall, separate from official, any recall training. Does your dog know their name? And I think a lot of times people think their dog knows their name because, again, to your point, it's they just say it a lot, like we say it a lot, but what does that mean to the dog, right? <laughs> they, might, they might be used to hearing it, but do they know what that means, like what they should do for that? So with especially having multiple dogs, now that I have Freddie in our lives the last few years, 
Jade was an only child for a long time. And so I have to now start letting them know who I'm speaking to. So especially if you have more than one dog at home, I think there's a value separate from recall, but obviously part of that as well, having your dogs know their names. So with them, you know, stand in the middle of your living room, have a handful of high value rewards or a toy your dog absolutely will die over, like loves it. And just, you know, hide it, hold it, act boring. Don't act like we're about to engage in anything. Maybe sit on your couch and act like nothing's going on for a moment. And now your dog's just lying down at your feet or standing there or staring at the wall or doing something amazing that dogs are doing when they're bored in the house, just standing around. (laughs) And once, once they're not looking at you, expecting you to do something... So my dog could be right next to me here looking that way. And I'm looking at my dog waiting for them to not be looking at me. And then I'll just go, Freddie. And then he'll turn because not much is going on. You're not at the park. There's not other dogs. There's not squirrels. There's not the rabbits. There's not your neighbor going, oh, can I say hi? None of that's going on. We're in the comfort of home. And then now your dog's probably going to look back and be like, what is it? And then you go, yes, you mark it. So I really recommend using a marker word or a clicker. Some type of sound, I usually use yes, and that's marking the moment your dog looks at you, and then you can provide reinforcement. That could be the toy you're now going to throw as reinforcement, or that could be the toy you're now going to engage in a little game of tug as reinforcement, or it could be food. And I love using food for me personally in my life as a reinforcer and also for my dogs. (laughs) I'm very food motivated. So uh, you can ask my husband about that. Uh, Gets us out of a lot of trouble if food's around for me. So, you know, I think that's a really great way to start getting your dog to to focus, to look at you, right? Because we have to start there. If you don't have your dog's eyes, you really don't have your dog, especially when it comes to recall stuff. We need that Mm check-in. So like with my stepkids, they're all you know, watching TV or they're on their phone. Anyone who has kids can appreciate this. You know, they're looking down or just family. You're trying to talk to your spouse or your partner or friend and they're like this. And I'm like, hello, I need focus before I make this announcement (laughs) to make sure everyone heard you, right? We've all done that at some point. So, you know, it's kind of like that. We really need them to put down the phone, not check their phone, not sniff the floor or do anything else, kind of look back up before we ask them to do something. So I think name recognition is a great way to step back if you are having trouble. So at least now you can start getting that whip around to look at you. And then you can increase distance in your house. Now your dog's a little bit away from you, not doing much. They're not, you know, doing anything extravagant. Call their name, see if they look back, mark and reward. Um, and, and sometimes I'll even have them wait till the dog's a little distracted. Maybe now they're sniffing around. Maybe they just finished a Kong and it's all done, but they're kind of sniffing around or, you know, they're looking out the window because someone's walking by, but nothing big's going on, but they're kind of focused on on that outside. And then you call them to turn around. So you can start adding in some distractions in the house. So I think that's a great way to, to step back. Use toys. Find what motivates your dog. You know, it might not be a toy. It might not be a certain kind of food. Up your food, right? Sometimes we're using lower value stuff when we should be using our $50 bills or $100 bills and not the buck or two that a dog's kind of like, meh. So finding what motivates your dog is going to be another task for people to start Start. this process. Okay. I think I'm so happy you said all of that because it leads perfectly into my next question. (laughs) So for instance, so you kind of talked about like getting the name recognition and then also doing the training in a controlled environment where you're throwing the 
the lower value treat and then bringing mm-hmm. them back with the higher value. So what happened the other day at, at the dog park, my youngest dog, Albie, love him to death. He loves to get like if there's another little scuffle happening with dogs, he loves to throw himself <laughs> into it. Like he's just he loves to bounce around and bark and be like, yeah, let's do this, guys. And um, and so I've been training him with this recall, you know, as best as I've been or I've been trying to. And yeah. it's working in a controlled environment or if there's nothing that's like higher value to him. Mm-hmm. But the other day, little scuffles happening. He wants to come in and be like big man in the house kind of thing. <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't even like he doesn't fight or anything. He just like likes to bark and jump he's around. A, he's a, a vocal observer, it seems like. <laughs> yeah, he's, a like he, he's like that guy. He's like, I got you, bro. I'm here. Like I'm yeah. back up. Yeah. And so and so he looked at me. So I'm like calling him. He looks at yeah. me like he sees me fully, makes the eye contact like, yeah, I hear you. And then just <laughs> keeps booking it over to this other, the higher value. Yes. Like that's what he mm-hmm. wanted to do more. So I guess that's my question is how, if there's something more interesting than the treats or than yourself, how do you make mm-hmm. sure that recall still sticks in those situations? So I'm really glad you just brought this up because I'm going to give you, I'm going to answer that, of course, but I want to give you a quick thing that is going to help bridge the gap to get there that I think is really important. So going back to that recall game we talked about, now we're going to go, so this will help you at the park. Now we're going to up it. So let's say your dog's doing really good with that. Now we've added the word. We're still doing that little game. Now we're going to not have the treat thrown first. So we're going to remove food from being involved in the beginning. We're going to still use food or whatever reinforcer you're using as a reward once the dog comes. But now what what I would tell people to do is now, okay, so now the dog's doing come, if you're using that word, in the house, in a low distraction setting, right? We're good there. Mm -hmm. Now what's next? How do we get from there to the park? So I have people do these following things. I have them get a helper if they can, family member, somebody who can help them. And there's ways to do this alone as well. So no worries if you can't find help right now. But let's say you have somebody who can help you. Now, let's say I'm going to use my dogs. Um, so hopefully don't, they don't come running upstairs by this. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to call them. But let's say let's say I'm working with Jade on this and, and she's still learning it, let's say. I'm the pet parent working on it. I have my husband go several feet away from me. Dog's there. And now you have your helper start with something we're going to go low value to higher value, right? So low value might be a toy because Jade doesn't really care. She likes them. She doesn't really care though. So I'll have my husband pick up a toy, kind of look at it or squeak it. Now the dog's like, what are you doing? And now they're interested in your helper with the toy at some level, Mm -hmm. not a lot. You know, you don't want to start with something that they're like jumping up, going nuts to get it because they ain't going to come back right there. So we got to start low and slow. This is slow cooker, not air fryer time. <laughs> I think I heard that on a on a conference once I went to, and I was like, it was something like that. I was like, that's genius. So it's not mine, but I do say I'm I loving it's all awesome. the food analogies. I get that. Yep. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> as you can tell, maybe I'm a little hungry, so <laughs> that might be my reminder. But so your your dog's looking at your helper with something they're interested in, but not not overly interested in. And now you're five feet or ten feet this way behind them, ready to call them and read. Mm-hmm. So now what we're going to do is go, Jade, boop, 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 boop. we're going to wait and hopefully Jade looks and we're, again, we have to set this up where the dog's likely to do it. It can't be too hard because then you're just going to say come and then nothing happens and now we're teaching her come means nothing. Mm-hmm. So 
they'll come. She's going to be like, oh, okay, I don't really care about the toy. Let's see what, what Erica's doing over here. She comes over. I mark and reward heavily. So I'm not just going to give one tiny piece of chicken here. I go one, two, three chicken. Okay. Right? So again, arbitrary number three. You know, you go one, two. It's like a jackpot in a casino. You get get a lot of the coins coming out, <laughs> not just one measly coin. <laughs> so we give a couple coins there. And then we go, okay. And then we're, we're done with that, that moment. And then in another moment, now you can have your helper with the toy really act excited about it. Okay. Now we're like, ooh, squeak, 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 throw it up a little bit. Ooh, lovely. And now the dog has to be recalled off of that and then heavily pay again, jackpot, jackpot, jackpot. And now we maybe hold the toy down just a notch. And now the, to- the, the dog's kind of nibbling at the toy just a little, but we're not engaged too much. Call back. I've had dogs that are full-blown tugging with me, and I have the pet parent call them off. The dog drops tugging with me and runs over to the pet parent. That's what I want. Yeah. You can build it with that. Okay. And then you have food. So then same thing applies. Now I have John stand there with a bag of treats, closed, no hand in it, just holding it. Mm -hmm. The dog's like, oh, okay, I'll sit here. Right, you have to call them away. Now your helper shouldn't be like, "Oh, you want a piece?" Like your dog, they're just there to stand there holding the bag. You can up that later. So then the dog gets called off that. Now I have John stand there with the bag open. Now I have John stand there with the bag open and his hand in it, kind of moving stuff around. Now I have him with some in his hand. Now I have the hand down. So I've had dogs recall off of a fistful of treats at the person's thigh. The dog's right there sniffing it, like, oh, open it up, open it up, recall off of that. You know what? get chicken for I'm so glad that you were laying this out in such a good step-by-step because I think a lot of people would immediately go to, like, rustling the bag of treats and trying to call them off. I feel Mm -hmm. like my husband would be one of those pet parents. I would would ask him to help me, (laughs) and he would be, like, riling the dog up straight away and yeah. we would fail yeah. I was literally just thinking <laughs> yeah. that I was like okay okay she's got instructions for John here I was like <laughs> yes. you need a couple to listen to this episode so each one <laughs> knows like this is what I do and this is what I do yeah. and then exactly yeah because otherwise yep. me just yelling across the yard like stop doing that we're not there yet or whatever <laughs> is, yeah <laughs> but even jump in the gun yeah. yeah and I don't blame people you know it's unless you're a dog trainer you don't know you're missing these 12 baby steps and I think it's just knowing like even just having the bag of treats there that's excitement for the dog and then Mm -hmm. opening it that's another level of excitement level whereas for us with food it's like a bag of popcorn and an open bag of popcorn like still going in my mouth I know (laughs) know where it's gonna go still gonna eat it (laughs) if it's out yeah still going down the same the same uh, throat here exactly yeah like it's all going to the same place. Like we don't, you're absolutely right. We don't think of it as any difference if it's open or closed. Cause we're just going to eat it. Yeah. But with dogs that, that levels up their chance. They're like, Oh, now I have a chance more of getting it. Now that it's open, mm-hmm. the crinkle sound, all these things they are conditioned to be interested in yeah. and sit for and look up at you and all that stuff. So yeah. So you do toys, mm-hmm. food, and then I do attention and praise. So now there's no toy, no food. Now now I have John going, oh, you said you're a good girl, recall away. Okay. And then you take those three baskets of things, those three buckets rather, and then you go outside and this is where we now take it outside. Mm-hmm. So once your dog's doing well with those couple of buckets, now we go out 
now you stand in your yard and you kind of do the same type of thing. But now the yard or the park on a long leash, now that's your distraction. Your dog sniffing a patch of grass in your backyard. You step five feet away and now you see if you can call them off of sniffing the patch of grass. Mm-hmm. Okay. And now you're at the park and now it's a new patch of grass. It's not your boring backyard that they've smelled five million times. And now they're sniffing something over there. They pick up a stick and now you call them off. So I think those are some, that's how I would build. You want to think of this like building a house. You have to start with the foundation. If we rush the foundation, the house we build on top of it will sag and creak and crack and leak and be a mess and we have to rebuild it. So you have to take that time to build that foundation. So the rest of the pretty stuff that's going to sit on top and look nice is going to actually work for you. You know what? I feel like if you've got a smart cookie of a dog, Mm -hmm. that this could actually be quite a quick process. Yeah. 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 I feel like for the authors of the world. Yeah. Arthur, I think Albie would catch on to this because he's very eager to please. Lupin, Lupin, not so much. Last cause. Yeah, Lupin's (laughs) the last cause. He's an Uh, old man. He gets to do whatever he wants. You know what? Actually. Hey, I get it. I was just about to say, he, we trained him, we trained his recall really passively over time. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. and it was just like, one, because he was so scared when we first got him and all of that. But um, we would go into, it was a baseball field that was fully fenced at a local park or a local middle school and Mm -hmm. and that's we would train like the recall we'd have the long line on him just in case as well in case he like scurried out through the dugout or something and um and yeah i would just like let him sniff around and then i'd be like come here you know and i'd get on the ground because he was still scared of people standing and i'd be like you know here's the treats and all of that and but it wasn't like active training it was I felt like it was just really like passive, like over time. And and then, then when we moved to London, he was able to be off leash in all like Hampstead Heath and all of these big old parks. And surprisingly, I never had an issue with him. The only issue was that if it was something really high value, like he found mm-hmm. some donuts under a bush once and he that was forever the donut bush that he would run to. <laughs> and you know, or if like there was some I bet he went back to check it on occasion. Oh, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It was it, yeah, so it was the higher value or the those more of like those bigger stakes where I was not yeah. as interesting as whatever he wanted to do. You know, I do want to say this because I think this will help people. There are going to be times where your dog doesn't come. Yeah. And the reason is because they're not robots. And I've had even Jade and Freddie. Well, I won't say Freddie because he always comes. But I've had Jade... Like one time she found a piece of pizza at the park, like a random piece of pizza in the middle of a soccer field. I don't know who left a piece of pizza (laughs) there, but it looked pretty fresh and it was fully intact (laughs) and it was just sitting there. And normally there's nothing like this there. Do I practice with pieces of pizza on the floor all the time? No, of course not. You know, like I even I'm not practicing that. So Jade is, you know, I say if your dog's 80 to 90% reliable, you're in the money. Okay. Because even other human beings, human beings who come from us, if you have children, spouses, partners, best friends, neighbors, you've lived next to your whole life that you love and you know, do they listen to you 100% of the time with no delay and no problem and not a one minute or one second or, oh, I forgot or I'm sorry. We are not perfect. Dogs are not perfect. And so if you get to an 80 to 90% of success, you're good. 
Now, yeah, can we get dogs that are 99%? Sure, of course. I think that's personality to an extent. If you have a dog like Freddie, who is just up my butt 24 hours a day and could care less about anything else in his life. Like I'm literally the best thing in his world all the time. And I love that, but that's his needy kind of anxious personality that he has that he needs to be next to me to feel okay. So he looks like he's walking in a heel. I've never taught him to walk in a heel in my life, but he's, you know, he gets rewarded there and he likes being near me. So he looks like Wow, we did healing training. We did heal training for eight months. Like we didn't. Um, so I think there's personality, there's DNA, there's breed, there's all that stuff. But what's under our control, we can get it to, you know, 90%. But we're not going to ever get a behavior, in my opinion, my professional opinion, 100% where it's like fail proof, yeah. where it's going to be 100% successful because that's not life. And so on occasion, so back to the pizza. Jade found it. I was, you know, looking away for a second. I knew where she was. She wasn't too far from me. No one was around. And I see her hovered. And I'm like, oh, no, we have that stance. Something's going on. She's eating something. <laughs> and so I, I called her. And she didn't even look back at me. <laughs> She's like, let me and just finish like, the pizza really quick, mom. She's yeah. like, one second, yeah. right? She gave me like a one second. Hold on. I'm, I'm like, almost oh, done. Yeah. Yeah. So then I, w- I walked over and we had to do a leave it. And then she even that had a moment. She paused and then she let it go and it was fine. But like, I that was a moment where I was humbled as a trainer to say, yeah, this is a reminder. Like Jade's usually perfect. <laughs> perfect. And I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah, well, it it's bound to happen. It's been, you know, been, you know, three years since we had anything like this, you know, whatever. Yeah. But I think I think people need to understand that sometimes and now if that's every day then we have a problem and we need to train if it's every week even okay we have a problem we might need to train but if it's once a year every few months or just the times when you go to the dog park because you're not really practicing things at that level on occasion your dog might not be able to be successful and that's okay just like we allow other human beings to have a moment to not be perfect to need a second to just say, okay, we messed up this this time, we'll do better next time. That's okay, too. So I like to normalize this and tell these stories about Jade and Freddie with certain things, because even as a professional dog trainer, I'm very happy to say my dogs are not perfect, and I don't want them to be, because that takes everything away from them mm-hmm. and their personality if we reach a point where they're constantly needing to respond to everything. I think they need some autonomy over their lives and uh, unfortunately sometimes that's a safety thing or something going on so I would say last point with that if you don't trust your dog 100% in a certain environment which is okay then we have them on a long line or we have the muzzle train so they can't pick up things in their mouth Mm -hmm. or we have you know or we go to a fenced in place instead of a place that's off leash or you know you just manage it I think management is okay in a part of life you know what I'm glad you said that because I have a problem with my neighborhood. It's like the people in my neighborhood, they don't care about food because they (laughs) chuck it everywhere. There is food absolutely everywhere in my neighborhood. And I take off, well, I don't take off for a walk in the morning. My husband does. But he comes back always in a mood, washing his hands. I just had to 
put my yep. fist down his throat again because he found a boiled mm-hmm. sweet on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that why are you throwing it on the floor? I know. Why? I why? Know. Why is there a <laughs> donut under a bush why? and a pizza yes. in the middle of the soccer field? Exactly. <laughs> yes. and it's every single day. I mean, that's like their gold mine though. Can you just imagine being a dog and just being like, oh my God, there's a chicken wing in the gutter. This is like a <laughs> pot of gold. Like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, so, I mean, I, I just love that you said that because it seems like there is, it tells people that there's a threshold, yeah, basically, to, right. to these problems. You know, that it's just, it's never going to be perfect. And if your dog does give you a one second, maybe that's okay. Like I know Lupin with, he loves to sniff around. He likes to have some extra sniffs. And so I have like a one, two, three command for him. I give him three Love seconds that. and then I say all, all done. So I'm like one, mm-hmm. two, three. And then usually by three, he's like, okay, okay. And he'll leave the scent. Yep. And that's more just so we can actually continue <laughs> on our walk and he doesn't stop, you know, and, and sniff something for, sure. for a minute each time. But, but like that, or like I've I have like a slow command for him too. If he's getting a, a little too far ahead, it's not like a full comeback, but it's just like a okay, slow down, and he'll kind of like slow to a walk instead of a run and and Love things it. like that. But those are I trained all those passively, and I don't know how I did because I didn't. I was just talking to him. Basically, <laughs> well, you're rewarding. I was it. talking <laughs> to him, <laughs> and well, you're keeping it consistent. Yes. You know, it's something you're saying all the exactly. time. And yeah. I do want to even say this. This might be a gem too. I even, especially, you know, in the in the states here, I feel like sometimes how we phrase things can help people not put so much pressure. So even I, as a trainer and in our community, we've moved away from even saying the word command, and now we say cue. So when I first started, it was command, 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 and not that you know no one knows this, which is why I bring it up. Sometimes just psychologically, I'm like, let's ask the dog. Let's teach them this cue, yes. this skill, this behavior. Again, putting it back on the people because I think sometimes, at least where I'm at, if we call it like, oh, you're going to command your dog to do it, they feel like the dog now has to do yes. it. Not that you feel like that, but like I know where I'm at, where I'm located, and people I've worked with, that's going to psychologically affect them to be more like, okay, my dog has to do this right mm-hmm. now. And so I think even just the language we use sometimes when we're trying to educate other people and say, hey, because I used to say it and now I'm like, okay, now my brain, I've chained my brain. I go, okay, cue, skill, behavior all the time. And it's something that we're trying to get more mainstream. So I did want to mention that too, to, to help your listeners be like, oh, okay, let's, even if you still call it that, just knowing, hey, we're teaching, we're going to ask him to do this and see what he, see how he does with yeah. it. Yeah. So it's not so like we're going to tell, even I don't say tell him to sit or tell him to lie down. I'm like, let's ask him to go over there. Mm-hmm. I try to phrase these things that way to help people because I think it helps them not put so much pressure on themselves. Exactly. I think that's the issue with recall is that you expect, you say, come, the dog drops everything and is immediately yes. at your side. And I'm like, exactly. you know, like I, I think Lupin has pretty good recall, you know, if, if it's like the donut under the bush, maybe not. But it is because I, I feel like I give him a second. I'm just, I don't expect him yeah. to get here immediately yeah. because I was like, he has his own mind and he's, he yeah. knows when he needs to get here immediately. Whereas other dogs, like my dog yeah. Alby, I think would do really well with more of like the command kind of feel. Like he, mm-hmm. he likes, Izzy saw me kind of training him this morning. He likes that like stern voice and he's like, okay, yes, I got this. 
Whereas Lupin, you do that and Lupin's like, bye. Like, I'm going to go lay down and see you. So anyway, um, all that being yeah. said, are there, you've kind of told, told us what the right things are to do. Are there yeah. any like common mistakes that you see people doing? Um, I saw on your, you did an Instagram live the other day. And one thing I noticed that you said was um, people ask their dogs to come too often that it like dilutes yeah. it kind of. I thought that was really interesting. So it, I didn't know if there's anything other, yeah. any other m- common mistakes. Well, thank you for, for watching that. I forgot I did that, but I did. <laughs> yeah. I went live at the park because there wasn't a lot of people there, thankfully, because I'm constantly on surveillance whenever I'm at those places mm-hmm. because of life and things and pizza <laughs> and people and all sorts of stuff. So so yeah, there wasn't many people there that day, but uh, yeah, I was talking about that because that is one of the common. I love that you asked this question because there are some common mistakes and I do think not to, I guess it, sometimes it can sound negative, like here's all the things not to do. But I think sometimes, especially with dog training, it's very important to know what not to do just as important as it is what to do. So yeah, overusing it is one of the biggest things. So we're at the park and, you know, you're trying to get your dog to learn this better. We're getting to a place where we can we can ask them to come, but we're asking them to come way too many times. So the dog's not really enjoying themselves fully because every time they walk off for two seconds, we're saying come again. And even if we're reinforcing it, I mean, at some point, the dog's internally going to be like, oh, my God, how many times do we have to go back? And can I just finish sniffing this, please? <laughs> you know, so... It can get a little bit too much. You can overtrain things where it is almost now taking the fun or the love or the positivity out of it mm-hmm. and then the, the fun of it. So I think not overusing it is a big one. So I would say if you're out somewhere, try to arbitrary number, try to keep it to five times. And if you're out a long time, maybe 10 times. But I just wouldn't get into the double digits too much where you're like, this is the 35th time we've called him over. Now, I think once your dog really knows it and you have a good understanding of things, sure. I also think to not overuse it, you can have more than one way of calling your dog to you. So I have touch, which is my dogs running over and hitting my hand with their booping, scientific term, (laughs) boop your hand with their nose. And then I I have come. And and then I have the name recognition, which actually trained for the most part is just come over to me. So we have almost three different ways of getting the dogs over. And then you can have an emergency one, where it's just a separate, separate word that you never, ever use unless it's an emergency. So there's other ways. Just don't say come, 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 come 30 yeah. times. So overusing, it's a big one. So thank you for bringing that up because that's probably the biggest, okay. one of the biggest. Yeah. I think there's more. I would I would say, too, just asking Syntax is important, how we set up sentences and and how we say words. So if we're using come and then we say come here, come in, come over, come this way. And it's we're we're using that word in a bunch of other ways. That's not the cue we're trying to get the dog to do. Mm -hmm. That can also start muddying the waters a bit. Same thing with down where people teach down and then down means get down, but it also means lie down. Yes. Mm Where I'm like, let's say off Mm -hmm. for this and down for lie down. So because at at some point the dog's just like ignoring it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I would say overusing it is a big one and just not saying it in a bunch of other contexts that are not suitable for what we're trying to train the dog for. Those would be my, my top two. Those are great tips. Thank you. 
And yeah, no problem. Once your dog is at that like 80, 90% where they're doing it, how much reinforcement do you have to do so it sticks? Love this question. So my one dog trainer's opinion, this is how I approach it, how I tell people to do this. Um, when you're trying to establish a new behavior, so when you're trying to establish recall, your dog doesn't know it. We're in the beginning stages. You want to re- you want to mark and reinforce it. So yes and treat or click or click and treat. You want to mark and reinforce 100% of the time when you're asking. You get to that 80 to 90 percentile in that context, caveat, in that context. And then when you're in that context and you're at 80 to 90 percent, now you can go to a more random schedule. So there's schedules of reinforcement to just keep this simple. You're going to now go to every other time I'll reinforce it. Every third time I'll reinforce it. Every so often I'll reinforce it. So now it becomes back to that casino effect where you got to just be in it to win it and know how much you're going to get. <laughs> so you might not get any that, that time, but you put it in again and the next one you get something. So it keeps you putting the coins in there. So it's very much like a slot machine. And that's a, that's a, a, a way we explain that a lot in dog training world. So, you know, you, you don't want to ever go completely away from rewarding and reinforcing behaviors because like a paycheck, we're not going to show up to work forever when we're not getting that payment mm-hmm. at all. So if you want to keep behaviors alive, my my opinion is you don't ever phase food out completely. I still reward my dogs all the time, especially for recall to this day. Okay. Nine years later with Jade, <laughs> I'm still reinforcing recall. And again, I think people need to know it, it, whatever gets rewarded gets repeated. And if it stops getting rewarded cold turkey for an extended period of time, you, do, you might, sure, is there a dog who might just always come when called because they love you to death and they just really don't care about the environment and they, that's in their DNA that they're just like Freddie who's just, but if I want Jade to come back to me, I got to pay that. Yeah. <laughs> on a, at least on occasion, she, she ain't working for free and that's okay. Now other things, Freddie needs something. He won't work. You know, it depends on what we're talking about, but with recall, I got to still I still pay both my dogs uh, pretty frequently, I would say. So 80 to 90% in that context, we start randomizing it, um, pulling back a little, but not pulling completely off, but pulling back at whatever varying degrees. But the last thing I'll say about that is when you switch contexts, though, we have to go back to 100% of the time till we get to 80. So just because your dog's doing it in your backyard does not mean now at the dog park, we're not going to reinforce okay. it. Gotcha. Or yeah. now out, out at a public space or whatever, mm-hmm. wherever it's safe to do it. So yeah, that doesn't mean now that in the living room, we're at 80 to 90%, like you were saying earlier, and now we're going to go out and it's going to be wonderful. So we context is important. Dogs are, I heard this recently, dogs, we usually say dogs aren't good at generalizing, but it might be that the humans aren't very good at generalizing the be- teaching the behavior. So we have to go somewhere else and work it up to that point so the dog can generalize yeah. it. Gotcha. So you might be at a place where you can randomize rewards at home, but we're still at rewarding every time at the dog park. Correct. Yes. Because that's still hard for that dog. So you know your dogs. Mm-hmm. If you know it's hard for them, we, that's giving you information to say, okay, I got to set this up better. We got to work on this. I'm so glad that we had this conversation because I was telling Carly um, before we came on is Arthur's problem is when he gets overstimulated at the dog park, we we had this little game when he was young called, it's really sad because we called it abandoned dog. When 
really it's so, oh my gosh I love this <laughs> he would like the only way we could get him to come was if we ran away and he would be like no mother and like chase after us <laughs> so we got to a point where if he was like getting into trouble at the dog park we would be the dog parents who were just running away from the problem <laughs> and we were like no I promise it will work like I'm yep. just going to run away and he's going to come and, he and follow He has abandonment me. issues. It's <laughs> fine. And now I feel um, like I can follow these steps and not be that crazy person at the dog park. Yeah. <laughs> well, by the way, how many... I feel like my mom definitely did that to me in a store a couple times. <laughs> it was like, all right, well, we all had a parent that was like, all right, well, I'm leaving. <laughs> and they would pretend. And then you're like, oh, no, I'm coming out. You just have like so, a 90s yeah, I mean, mom parenting style. I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, um, that, that's, that, listen, sometimes as long as it's not hurting the dog, right, as long as we're keeping it positive, sometimes I'm like, hey, whatever, if it works, and that's what you have to do to get through it right now, it, that's it. Yeah, hey, yeah. we got little, we got little unique ways of going <laughs> about it. There's nothing wrong with that. I think it's just like the judgment from other people, like, Arthur is a herder yeah. through and through, so he will find... Mm the bunch of big dogs who are playing very nicely and then he'll try and herd them into one corner of the dog park and sometimes they don't like that and that's yeah. when like all of the other dog parents are like hey you need to you need to run away now like this is the point where you run right. away <laughs> <laughs> it's your turn I mean, the amount i mean that's a yeah. whole nother episode is like the the weird things that we do that work for our dogs and make us look like idiots i mean yeah. i'm sure me going through the park going one two like <laughs> counting down my dog like he's a toddler or something the, the things we do but yeah. i just i think all of your advice that you've given us erica has been so great i think you've laid it out so well that i think people listening to this will will be able to you know have really clear next steps on training recall i've loved all your analogies I don't think that there's a better description for a dog parent than a human slot machine. Yep. I mean, like, <laughs> are they going to give out the treats? Who knows? Like, let's take a gamble. You know, like, I think it's, it's so true. And, um, and yeah, and dogs as little employees, they yeah, need payment. They need so payment. I think all of it's been so great. Um, for Thank the people, you. if they want to follow you and learn more from you, where can they find you? So thank you. First of all, thank you so much for having me on. This is such a lovely talk. And I'm just very, very um, happy to be able to come on and, and talk about this important topic that I think is going to bring a lot of value to people. So thank you. And if you want to connect with me, I'm my my handle is the same on everything. It's from dusk till dog. The till has two L's from dusk till dog. And I'm on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook, Snapchat, Pinterest, Twitter, Patreon and my podcast is called the Dog Training Audio Experience, which, by the way, love to have you guys on <gasps> mine sometime, yeah! and we could talk about some stuff and go over some other dog topics. So, yeah, if you want to connect with me, you can find me there. And I forgot YouTube. Lord knows it's like a part-time job with all these channels, so you can find me anywhere <laughs> from dusk till dog. Perfect. Well, thank you again, Erica. This has been just so enlightening. I think a lot of our listeners are hound dog parents as well. Like me, and awesome. so I think they're they're going to find this very valuable on teaching those hounds how to actually have some recall, yes, how to turn <laughs> off their noses. You can yes. do it. <laughs> yes. Well, for all the listeners, uh, all our information we're not on nearly as many platforms as you, Erica, but we are at with the dog at Instagram and TikTok, Clubhouse, 
and I'm with the dog is the name of our Facebook group. And we have episodes every week. So we'll see you next Wednesday. Bye. Bye. All content on With a Dog Podcast is for informational purposes only and should not replace professional advice, treatment, or diagnosis by a certified veterinarian, trainer, or behaviorist.